Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Mangum. And I'm Mark Anderson. And this is another segment of World Impact News. Today, because of this panic over the coronavirus, which is COVID-19, that everybody is so panicked about, and we can see globally the effects of that panic, we're going to be talking to you today about, and simply we've titled this segment, Coronavirus Manufactured Pandemic? Question mark. And so we're going to bring some information. We also have a special guest with us, Pastor Matteo Grossi from Italy. He's the pastor of the River Church in Modena, Italy. And obviously we know, uh, Pastor Matteo, that this is affecting Italy. And we're going to, so we'll bring you on here in a little bit so you can discuss what's happening there. He's also a designated chaplain by the uh, ministry of internal affairs. So he's a chaplain with the Ministry of Eternal Affairs. So we're so happy that you're on with us today. But Mark, why don't you lead us into this uh, manufactured pandemic question mark? Well, it, what's interesting, and I think it's important to start out by saying that there's a huge glaring gap in what the mainstream media, what Jason and I sometimes call the mass media cartel has been reporting. <clears throat> that gap has to do with the number of recoveries. By reporting these recoveries, Jason, we then see that while we want to be concerned, while we want to have precaution and common sense, there really is little, if any, need for actual panic. Because, for instance, China being the epicenter of this has 80,000, that's 80,796 80, confirmed cases at this time according to Wikipedia and other sources that I'm citing. Of those 80,796 confirmed cases, we have 62,815 recoveries. Wow. 3,169 reported deaths. So you have recoveries over 62,000, almost 63,000, and reported deaths just over 3,000. That's just one example. Right. Now that's dramatic. Very. Now imagine being the Washington Post, CBS, MSNBC, whatever, and not reporting that and not talking about that. Now you might say, well, China's not a transparent government. You might make arguments. But to not report that, to omit that, is a huge journalistic oversight and malpractice. Yeah. That is media malpractice at its best. And here we go with Italy. According to my sources, 12,462 confirmed cases... 827 reported deaths, 1,045 recoveries. The recoveries are beginning to overtake the reported deaths. It was slanted the other way about three or four days ago. Exactly. And now we can see to Mark and, and Pastor Matteo is that we can see Denmark just went on a 14-day lockdown with zero deaths. And... So, but, but Matteo, that comes to you. I know that Italy is already on lockdown, not necessarily martial law. You'll explain that to us. But everybody is right now quarantined. You're at home. Uh, it's affected the church. It's affected businesses. And we can see Italy on this downward spiral because of the panic and outrage, the hospitals and everything else. So, Thank you for being on the program today. I know you're going to bring a lot of insight of what's happening in Italy and in Europe. 
And so welcome to the program today. Thank you for inviting me. It's, it's my pleasure and my honor to be here with you. So, yes, Italy is it's in a panic mood. So even the, the panic, I have to say, is manufactured because, uh, yes, people are afraid and they are afraid of basically really dying or at least being uh, sick and then not being able to be um, to recover because hospitals are rejecting people because they are overwhelmed, especially first care emergency rooms are completely packed and there are no doctors uh, able to really look after you. So there, there is this fear that is real, but again, is based upon something that really is not happening, apart from the hospital being completely uh, full. And as you were saying, yes, we are locked down. And every day, basically every day, I would say even every 12 hours, the government is releasing decrees upon decrees or changing the performance decrees or adding something, taking something out. So even the chaos and the confusion is very big because, again, even if you have a decree, even if you are supposed to know what you're supposed to do, but then the government is changing that in, in, a, in a day or even less than a day. So you cannot really operate in any way. Anyway, having said this, it's very important what happened even yesterday. Yesterday, our prime minister uh, told us that he's going to close even more things. So coffee shops, uh, restaurants, um, and, and all the kind of businesses, small private businesses are supposed to be closed. And this is almost even funny. You cannot even go outside your, your house, let's say you got a yard, your own yard, basically you cannot get out unless you are carrying with you a, a paper, a document signed by you and signed by the government saying that you are living right there and that you are just walking outside to get some, to breathe, some fresh air. And if the police stops you and you are not able to prove why, why you are walking outside, why you are taking fresh air, and then you can be even arrested eventually, up to three months. So is it something? Manufacture panic. Uh, of course, then I will be panic. If I think that if I go out and just for a walk and I might be stopped, and if I'm not able to really give a good reason why I'm walking outside, being arrested for that, well, it's something that is putting some pressure on you. Right. So not only are you experiencing this panic over the actual virus, but it's the fear of now being arrested just for breathing and moving and living your normal life. And so there's that aspect of it as well. And I know you said that the hospitals are being flooded right now. So how is that affecting people with pre-existing -con pre conditions? that have cancer treatment or have a sick child with a fever or something that needs to go to the hospital? Okay, child with fevers usually are able to be, to go through, I mean, little children, really child, uh, but oncologies are closed. I mean, even for surgeries, if you got a, a cancer, you need to be, you really need to be, um, to go through surgery. They don't have, doctors or specialists right now to really take care of you so they ask you to wait for it and if you die that's it you cannot do anything usually they came between for, for people that are like teenagers or 20 30s in their 20s and 30s that that is the priority but everybody has especially 70 
80 or older people, then they just say, we cannot take care of you, sorry, go back home and stay there. Yeah. And so what about other businesses? How is it affecting them as far as even their hours? Because it's my understanding that some businesses are allowed to stay open, but at a reduced uh, hours or days that they're open, or even how many people can be in a restaurant or a coffee shop. Okay. So up to yesterday, while we were talking before the program, uh, restaurants, coffee, coffee shops, and places like this for gathering were supposed to be open in the morning up to 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Therefore, it is very strange because Italians usually are having their lunch at 7.30, So, I mean, restaurants, they just start to open right in the regular time at 7 o'clock. So telling restaurants that they are supposed to close at six in Italy, it means you are not, you don't even open basically. Anyway, back up to yesterday, yes, well, they were allowed to have only few people, only one meter distance. So let's say if a restaurant was able to held under people, now they were asking to held no more than 40, 50 people, depending on how they were able to manage the thing. But last night, the Prime Minister asked Italians to close everything. So everything now is shut down. Even restaurants, even coffee shops, all the businesses, but not grocery stores and not banks, not financial uh, institutes and um, stuff like this or, or uh, public-owned places. So those are open. So that's, again, is quite peculiar. It's like if the virus is, a, is contagious only in your private business but not in the big at the big mall right and it's my understanding that grocery stores though are only open monday through friday is that correct right now uh only the grocery store so stores that are selling only food they can be open only from monday to friday and they have they uh they have to be closed by saturdays and sunday and every other kind of store is shut down let me make sure I heard you right, Matteo. The, um, the restaurants are closed pretty much all day and open in the evening, or are they, or are they uh, closed, uh, closed in the evening and open during the day? Now they are fully closed all day long, morning, afternoon, evening. Up to yesterday, they were asked to be open only in, in the mornings and the afternoons, but not in the evenings. So businesses have to shut their doors. So it's absolutely... Uh, impacting the economy what's happening with the economy as, as well the stock markets like worldwide has been affected but in Italy even starting more than two weeks ago because this situation started two weeks ago in Italy everything started to be closed and every other business is of course panic and, and suffering because they have to pay their bills they have to pay their employees they have to pay to pay their taxes, but they 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 have so they they are closed. You just, sorry, I got problems. I mean, I'm back. Sorry, uh, they are closed. I was saying uh, so. Businesses are closed, but they the government didn't stop the businesses to pay their own tax. So, but they are not earning money. So, is there any talk about uh, lowering people's tax bills or? Uh, giving people a, a tax break 
or, or reduced rent on their businesses because there's so, there's so little income coming in? They are talking, as you say. That's funny. It's good word. They are talking. There is nothing done yet. Uh-huh. Nothing. They are saying, we will see, we will do something. They don't know what, and they don't know starting where, where or when, or how. So it's just talk at the moment. Yeah, I, I would note that, you know, restaurants and smaller businesses like that, maybe small print shops, different things, that's the backbone of the lower middle classes and the working class. Uh, you know, the, the younger set, that's the sinew, that's the, the guts of how they make their living. Right. To shut that down is to shut down a lot of the millennials and a lot of the young people and the working class's income. That's very serious, especially if this goes on for weeks. Yeah. Now, my, my next question is, obviously you're a pastor of a church. How has it affected your church and congregation? Well, uh, very badly in the sense that the church is supposed to have fellowship. The good thing is having fellowship all together. So how can you have fellowship and even try to follow the law? So uh, even this was very confusing for two weeks because, again, the government was releasing decrees saying you are not supposed to go out and you are not supposed to have weddings, funerals, or ceremonies. But, yes, you can have the churches open and you can allow people to come in one by one and keeping one meter distance between one another. So even this kind of suggestions were confusing. Can I go out? Can I gather together? No, yes, depending. Anyway, in the first two weeks, we tried to meet. Uh, so children were not, of course, allowed to go because schools, the schools are the first thing that has been shut down. So no kindergarten, no schools, no nothing. So, of course, children couldn't come to church. So families, one of the parents has to stay home with their children to take care of them. And the other one came to church, came to the meetings. And But we received a lot of fire upon us because people were saying, why do you meet? You are, very, you are outrageous. You, you want to kill people. You want to be contagious. So, but we, we, we resisted. We didn't care about that because we wanted to, I mean, we said r- rules and regulations are not so clear. So we are allowed to meet and we do it. And we want to be a support to the people. We want to be uh, a voice and uh, a light to the people. We don't want to yeah. give bad hope or bad uh, fate or the wrong message. So we did it. Anyway, starting from a few days ago, the government was more strong on that. And the, the government clarified, not church, nothing. I have to be honest. They said this. They said every church, every congregation of any faith can be open if one, pers- one person at a time, they go just inside the building, they pray for five to nine minutes, and they go back home. But you cannot do anything else. And in the church, only the minister is allowed to be present. No, apart from one person at a time. No one else. They cannot be in there. So, so... Churches in all, all over Italy, even the Catholic Church, is closed. There are no meetings, and, and we are doing meetings like this one. Recorded meetings or live stream meetings, trying, trying to, do, to be together and to have fellowship together, just to, be, to encourage, encourage one another and 
lift everybody else up. Right. So it's affected every fabric of society, no matter if it's the church, business, restaurants. I mean, uh, obviously the hospitals are inundated with people coming in in fear. But the other thing is, too, is, Mateo, how many people do you know? Uh, and I'm sure you have you know a lot of people and have a have a congregation and they know a lot of people. How many people do you know that actually has the coronavirus? This is a great question. Thank you for asking me. I wanted I was looking for this kind of question because even on social media, not just personally, even on social media now there are people starting to ask everybody else, do you personally know anybody that has got anybody that they know they are they love being affected by this virus? The answer is no. Personally, all the people that I know, all the friends, or the church members, members, congregation, uh, relation, um, family people, no one. We never heard of anyone being personally affected by this virus. So, isn't that interesting, Mark? There's such an outbreak, but nobody knows anybody with the coronavirus. It it reminds me of polling, when they take polls leading up to elections. Well, so many, so many that we contacted said they support this candidate, and so many support that candidate, and you never know anyone who was contacted by the pollsters. Yeah. Certainly you yourself weren't. I, I can remember only one time in my entire life being called by a pollster, once. And so, yeah, that's, that's a strange phenomenon, um, certainly. And um, so, briefly, what has the Vatican taken official position on this? Do they agree with the government's position, or are they silent about it? I know that the Pope has spoken, and I am not updated about what is said. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, and as I know, I didn't hear anything officially from Vatican, any position whatsoever, or especially any suggestion. I have heard about some cardinals and, of course, bishops of the Catholic Church, just saying, even especially a week ago, before the was really uh, being so badly spread all over the places, please stay home. Please don't come to church. Please don't look for anybody, anything. Stay home, relax, and wait on the government. And when everything will be over, we will be like, happy to open the churches again. You know, it, it strikes me from a Christian perspective, Jason and Matteo, you hear wrapped in the message, sort of hardwired into this, baked into the bread, if you will, this almost absence of faith in divine providence. You know, this this idea that the state comes first, God comes second. But just listen to the proclamations of the state. You know, don't declare the handiwork of God. Don't declare his protection. Don't, don't have any faith in his divine guidance right you know just this this abandonment and complete indifference to the faith regardless of whether you're catholic or protestant and you know that's a huge glaring gap just like i talked about they're not reporting recoveries we're also not talking about the true meaning of faith and hope and and divine providence and guidance that our souls need guidance too. We need some human contact, you know, to completely shut down society can create whole new sets of social problems and illnesses. Right. You know, it, it, it's depressing to me from a Christian standpoint. Yeah. And you use the right word there, Mark, 
abandonment. It's not just the absence of it. It's like it's been abandoned altogether. Yeah. Just totally turned its back on when really people of faith should be engaging and be involved. And that's very important. Wouldn't you agree, Mateo, that, I mean, what's your position on that? As far as a pastor, as far as all the ministers across Italy, it's almost like their hands have been tied, whereas you should be involved, helping. Think about the people that are in fear, in panic. What about the people who are in depression because of this or dealing with anxieties? As a chaplain, you would think you would be a first responder to be able to go in and well, minister yes. throughout the government wherever you're recognized as a chaplain. Yeah, you are absolutely right. In fact, uh, I have to say because I'm a man of faith, I do not complain. But maybe this was the time to complain because uh, as a chaplain, well, people know, but just to clarify, you are protected by the government to actually go to prisons, to hospitals, to uh, um, facilitate care for people that are depressed or elderly people and so on. So that's your position. You are there to absolutely help them and, and give them hope or just even listening to them. Just yesterday, the organization, the chaplain, or the international organization that I'm recognized uh, from that is working with Italian government that is recognized by Italian government as well. They wrote me an email telling me, please stay home. Do not try to go to hospitals. Do not go to prison. Do not do anything. We have to submit to the government and to do what they are asking us. And even the Catholic priests are doing the same. So there are no Catholic priests, no pastors, no as, uh, chaplains going anywhere because again it's quarantine so they don't want especially the chaplain to bring any disease on the people but so nobody is able really to give any hope to uh, people in a friendly way in person the real inoculation using faith in Christ yes. God, giving people hope helping them see that Factually, perhaps they'd look into how the recoveries are not being reported or downplayed and that that they would be able to see beyond this and get their lives back to normal, you know. And so what can go viral, another thing that can go viral is, is faith. And it's almost as if the state is closing that off. Don't let the faith go viral. Don't let belief in uh, God's divine providence and what can really heal the land. Don't let that go viral. Instead, again, the decrees of the state, the heavy boot of the state must reign. Right. But this world belongs to God, not the state. That's absolutely right. The states right. are supposed to be the servant of God, especially Western European nations traditionally were founded as Christian nations, at least nominally. They were part of Christendom. You know, what's happened? I mean, what's this secularism, this idea that the medical monopoly and the media have all the answers? Come on. Yeah. We know that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous to see that. And basically, Matteo, you're living in a police state because is, isn't there spot checks going on? Isn't there roadblocks and checkpoints? Who's involved in doing that? There is all of that. Everything you mentioned is there. And it's involved the Carabinieri, that is the military police, a civil military police. It's involved the police, that is like in America, the police forces, and every other kind of uh, local police forces, like traffic police, 
and even even the financial police for finances, you know, the ones like a, a kind of FBI. So anyway, even oh, and even the firemen, they called even the firemen to do checkpoints and checking on people, whoever is around doing what they're doing. So yes, it's, it's, it's like to live in a, 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 a sorry, apocalyptic movie, you know, in the end times. And you, so you got to have your pass, you have to show things, and you have to, if you are outside, and it's getting serious, and yes. So it's not martial court, but it's the step before that. So that's what they're saying, telling it's not martial law, but it's basically right the step before martial law, but it seems to be martial law because you have the police and military with checkpoints, checking people, stopping people. You can't move around unless you have a pass and then permission. And then if you move around, you can be arrested and or fined because that's the other thing I'm understanding is they're fining you. If you go to the grocery store and they can determine you really didn't need groceries or something that was an emergency, they can find you. If you go to the hospital with symptoms, feeling like you might have the coronavirus, but you don't have the coronavirus, they can arrest you or, or maybe not arrest you, but even fine you. So there's this where they fine everybody for doing anything. If I remember right, I don't want to be incorrect, but the fine is 250 euros per person per time if you are caught doing something that you are not supposed to do. And, uh, yeah, the rest is up to three months of jail. And and as you said, I just read this a few hours ago. If you go to grocery store, you are supposed to go alone or at the most two people. So let's say you are a family with children. If you and your wife, you go, you cannot bring your children. They don't want to bring children. So that's forced. That mean you have to go alone, and you have to purchase only food. Let's say you go to a mall and there is also clothes or shoes. You're not supposed to buy it. If they get you, they can find you for buying stuff that were not needed at the time. So children are not permitted in public. I mean, that's really what it sounds like to me. Even though the elderly and those already sick are the vast majority of those that get seriously ill or die. Right. And, and again, it's worth reiterating, I've looked, at, looked it up now, out of 15 countries, ranging from China to Italy to Iran to South Korea to Spain, Germany, France, United Kingdom, Switzerland, Norway, Sweden, Japan, Denmark, Netherlands, United Kingdom, 129,138 suspected or confirmed. Again, we, how, did they, how do we know how they confirm these infections? But 129,138 confirmed infections, 68,324 recoveries, under 5,000 deaths. Uh, so an objective look at this means the recoveries are outpacing the deaths, and that would be explained accurately enough by that, that number of deaths being largely the elderly and those with pre-existing serious conditions. So, you know, you've got this, this huge glaring gap in the reporting, and so the question then becomes, Italy being probably the most police state-like atmosphere right now out of all these countries, right? As we understand right. it, the, the statistics do not really justify it overall when you consider other countries 
and look at the overall picture. Um, I mean, I suppose they're trying to, you know, uh, put caution first and, you know, and maybe overdo it a little bit. Um, but um, the recoveries in Italy have taken a big, big upshot. And I'll just mention one more time that the United States, uh, which has had very low recoveries, comparatively speaking, uh, it was only eight or nine recoveries about five days ago. That has jumped up to 15. The deaths are only 38 in a country of about 350 million people. And the regular flu in the United States is something like 30,000 a year die. Let's just be conservative. 25 to 30,000 a year die from the regular flu, which is just, is just another form of the coronavirus. The coronavirus and its variants, are there's just different types. Just like there are different types of dogs, but they're all dogs or cats. There's different coronaviruses, and some of those cause the common cold and the flu. So we don't shut down societies for something like three to 400,000 uh, deaths a year from the regular flu worldwide. We don't shut down societies for that. Right. And about 10% of that or 30,000 a year is the United States dying from the regular flu. Uh, no, there's no societal shutdowns or breakdowns over any of that. And yet with all these recoveries uh, and the numbers I just read, we're having Italy being sort of the focal point of this movement toward a police state. And the question is, I'm not answering the question, I'm simply asking it, is this really justified? And one of the, the big problems that it is, when someone is diagnosed and declared to be infected, how accurate is that test? Uh, when AIDS first came out, there was lots of false positives. People were terrified. They thought they had AIDS, but in fact, it was a false positive. Mm -hmm. So we're given this vague information and no sources really as to who is declaring uh, the people infected and these numbers and how they know they're infected with this virus, specifically this novel coronavirus, as they call it. And then of the deaths, how do, the, how do we know that each death has been ascertained that the coronavirus, this particular coronavirus, is the actual cause of death? We have to take it as an article of faith that these diagnoses and the, these, these estimates are accurate. But our article of faith, our Christian article of faith, is pushed to the margins. Right. Yeah, they don't want us to do anything but sit back and we could see that. And believe what they're telling us. And believe what they're yes. telling us. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I really, you know, is there any question in your mind, Matteo, is in, in the sense of why Italy? Why is this happening, especially in a, because Italy is part of the EU. Good question. We understand that there's a globalist agenda out there. Why Italy? And I'll ask this, I'm, I'm, as part of it is, was Italy at, at all thinking they would break away from the EU? Was Italy going to be on a, like, like, the UK just had Brexit. Was Italy going to be on the Italexit? I mean, we're just, so is there any question in your mind, like, well, what is happening here? Why Italy? Absolutely, you are reading my mind. But just to complete even the previous sentence, yes, about the cases, it's, it's very interesting because as far as I know, as far as I can read from the Italian news, the doctors are, are, are telling them seem to telling that they are affected by the coronavirus only through the symptoms because as far as i know we run out of tampons or very there is very little tampons left so the people are not checked like on scientific basis but only on on the symptoms of the coronavirus aha see 
the symptoms could be a regular flu or some other malady. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this is how much can be trust this information, but I, I have heard from a doctor that if you read on the aspirin, you know, the aspirin, um, the medicine, the drug, the, the, the symptoms, symptoms that the aspirin is giving you are absolutely the same as the coronavirus. And in Italy, the people are taking so much aspirin and pharmacies are empty. They run out of aspirins because everybody is afraid of the virus. So they're using aspirins, but too much aspirin is giving you symptoms that the symptoms symptoms are like the coronaviruses ones. So the side effects of aspirin are identical to the symptoms of the coronavirus. You know, and it's interesting to point out as we get through this part of the discussion that aspirin is simply a painkiller. Who is prescribing or who is suggesting that people take aspirin for what's reported to be a viral infection? Because there really isn't a connection there. And it's well known that too much aspirin is very bad for your stomach. Um, apart from the fact that natural cures, naturopathic and homeopathic medicine which is much more tied to God's ways and the natural order, the natural law, that's being pushed aside and we're given all this pharmaceutical and, and conventional medical monopoly stuff. Who is suggesting, Matteo, that people should take aspirin? Is that just a kind of a belief in Italy or is the government recommending it? Who's suggesting aspirin? Well, no, it's a kind of belief, first of all, but it's also social media uh, spreading of, by, by word. So, how do you say, word of mouth, right? Everybody's telling everybody else, take an aspirin, take an aspirin. So, in Italy, you don't need the pres prescription to get aspirins. So, you can go to the pharmacy or even online. You can order as many as you want. And they're getting, yeah, and yes, it's a belief. It's a belief, traditional belief that aspirin is good when you got flu. Boy, if you owned aspirin right now and you were selling it, you'd make a bundle, kind of like a guy selling torches at the bottom of Frankenstein's castle, right? Yeah. You're going to make a killing. Well, you would think Bayer was, is making a bundle of money right now. Yeah, you know, and then the vaccine profits that could come would be just out, outlandish. But, I mean, I know enough about alternative health being something of a amateur professional on it that taking aspirin for flus, especially steadily, will do you no good whatsoever. Well, that, that is what the Italians believe, and no one really ever told them not to do it. I mean, vitamin C, echinacea, olive leaf extract, garlic, uh, and garlic is prevalent in the Italian diet. Um, darker bread, stay away from the sugars. Um, uh, plenty of water, stay hydrated. Um, fresh fruit, vegetables, uh, less processed food, certainly less fast food. Build up your natural immunity. I mean, this is not rocket science. Thank you for mentioning this because just, I just read again a few hours ago from Italian doctors on uh, on the agencies telling people to that taking vitamin C's or even um, sorry any kind of other vitamin is not really helping you from prevent this disease so to stop really getting to empty the the grocery stores and things from buying uh, vitamin C D A E whatever because that is not helpful. So the Italian doctors are actually saying the opposite. Do not take it. They're couching it in terms that they don't want the stores to run out of inventories, it sounds like. 
Well, probably that too, but again, uh, I don't see if you, yeah. if you take some vitamin C, even in the worst scenario that is not helpful, it's not even harmful. So why the doctors are, the only uh, concern is to tell people, oh, do not take vitamins, it's not helpful. Uh, that, that's just patently yeah. absurd. Yeah, that they would, doctors would suggest such a thing. Now, I read that even some doctors, I don't know, attached maybe with the Italian government, have said this thing is lethal. They use, what I read in the report is doctors are using the term coronavirus as being lethal and you will die. Yes, that is what is manufactured going back to the subject. Uh, the people in Italy are really afraid. Okay, I have to say, to be honest, in the beginning, the people didn't take it seriously at all. And the government was really playing around. So the people, didn't, was, they were not really obeying the government or listening to the government or the suggestions. And this is uh, one of the bad sides of Italians. They, they didn't really care about what the government was advising them or alerting them to do or not to do. So probably the government, having seen this, they decided to be very strong, absolutely super strong. So as you say, not just the politicians, but even the doctors connected to the government, they are saying what you say. This is serious. You can die. You can infect your children, your parents. They will die because of you. Do not do this. Do not do that. Stay home and be safe. So it's mass panic because of all of this going on. Now, what about people uh, maybe in the media or that are maybe, let me say better, in the film industry or maybe be that would be famous? Is there any input from, because, you know, usually, at least we see in America, anybody in Hollywood, they're some sort of advocate for something, you know, and they're, they're going to be marching in parades for something. Um, so what... What are you seeing over there from people who would be in that realm? Yeah, the people in that realm, the ones that are popular for any reason, movie or, or yeah, like actors, even cook, you know, chefs. Italians are famous with chefs. They, they are, they, first, let's say a chef. They stand inside of their restaurant, empty, closed. They say, oh, we decided to close our restaurant that is very famous because it's better to be safe, it's better to save lives than to kill. See, I mean, very strong sentences. So we decided to close the restaurant, and we are inviting you to stay home, to, to take care of your family, and to obey the government, and not to get out for any reasons, unless it's very, very, very important. So, uh, and one by one, uh, all the popular people are advocating this, and so they are coming out with uh, this kind of sentence, like, oh, I'm staying home, stay home too. Everybody has to be uh, responsible. Stay home, it's safe. Otherwise, we're going to die. So basically, where they could be role models in a positive way, they've simply become role models of fear and intimidation and panic. So essentially is what's happening. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and in light of what happened last fall, this takes on a particularly curious scenario. Some of us have heard of Event 201 uh, put on by the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security 
in partnership with the World Economic Forum, which meets each January in Davos, Switzerland, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, <clears throat> they hosted Event 201, a high-level pandemic exercise, I'm reading from their website, on October 18th, 2019, get that date, a high-level pandemic exercise, October 18th, 2019, in New York City. The exercise, long before we heard about coronavirus outbreaks, but not very long before it, the exercise illustrated areas where public-private partnerships will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to diminish large-scale economic and societal consequences. And they go on to talk about the fact that this Event 201 conference with the Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health Center for Health Security <clears throat> envisioned an actual coronavirus outbreak, not just any pandemic, but a coronavirus outbreak, uh, recall, Jason. Right. And we see evidence now that those on the inside of this organizational structure uh, you can you can tie to them the ownership of the coronavirus patent. Exactly. Because actually a company that is funded primarily by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is Herbright Institute out of the UK who owns the coronavirus. And that's the connection. Yeah. They actually own the coronavirus and they're actually looking at the vaccines. Because we understand one of the things that Bill Gates is and he doesn't oppose it, but he embraces it. Is uh, he wants to depopulate the globe, starting in Africa, starting in Africa, and so. But a lot of this is so. It's interesting to me that the same people that own the patent for the coronavirus actually are the ones who are developing the vaccines, as well as certain test kits and things like that, which is scary <coughs> to me. Not getting too far away from this, but just in the U.S. There was a meeting, um, I believe, with the uh, Oversight and Reform, who Carolyn Maloney, who is the U.S. representative from New York, the 12th District of New York, who actually chairs that committee. She's a Democrat, but she's really a progressive. She leads the Progressive Caucus, just to give a little bit of background on her. Mm -hmm. They just had a meeting, and she is comparing America and comparing what's happening here to South Korea, saying that South Korea has just tested over 200,000 people for the coronavirus. And so the Dems want to test. Listen, Mark, Mateo, listen to this. They want to make mandatory testing. We have not, what, over a little over 550 cases in the U.S., and she's trying to compare us to where there's over 200,000 people in South Korea that have been tested I mean, we don't even have that many cases. It's not widespread here. So it says something to me, you know, always we look at a good starting point, follow the money. So right. who owns these testing kits? Who owns the coronavirus? Who has that patent on it? Who owns the vaccines or developing the vaccines right. for this? Now, Dr. Fanchi, who um, said two things, I mean, in there is that the biggest things to do in this uh, meeting with the Committee of Oversight and Reform said contain the influx of people coming into the country. Which Trump did by banning temporarily uh, travel from Europe. Exactly. And, and even prior to that, he was banning travel from, from China and other places. Correct. So we have to know that, too. He's and saying then, only 30 days on that starting uh, in early April. But right. keep going. And then to actually 
look at containing and mitigating any uh, outbreaks that are here, any cases of the coronavirus here. But it's interesting to me that six weeks prior to the first outbreak in Wuhan, China, the World Economic Forum, along with Johns Hopkins, along with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is running a simulation of a pandemic and the spread of the coronavirus six weeks prior to it actually happening. Actually starting before that even. Even before it goes further back, okay. And, and what's interesting is not only was their pandemic exercise claimed to be fictional, but it was, it was about the novel coronavirus. The novel coronavirus is the particular coronavirus that's said to be responsible for this outbreak right now. Right. So they, weren't, they didn't just pick any coronavirus like those that cause the common cold or whatever. They picked novel, meaning a new kid on the block in the viral world. And they have a statement in there. They have on their website, centerforhealthsecurity.org, they have a disclaimer trying to distance themselves from this exercise that took place last fall. But um, I believe, and Jason and I have talked about this off the air, that law enforcement should look into the... Center for Health Security's meeting and just exactly why they had that, the very, very curious timing. Could this all be coincidental? I'm not jumping to any conclusions whatsoever, but I think this is actually valid for law enforcement, FBI, uh, other international agencies to look into and, and ask these people questions about this planning, about this possible collusion, about the patent, about the vaccine development that's being anticipated. There needs to be some questions asked. We need Columbo, we need Sherlock Holmes, whatever you want to put it, whatever metaphor you want to use. But this, I think, rises to the level of needing law enforcement to actually question these people. Absolutely, Mark. It needs to be investigated because that's what we're putting to the audience today is coronavirus manufactured pandemic, question mark. And that's why there's many questions that we need to ask. And, and all, of, all of those that are watching and watching this and listening, that they would ask the question, question everything, question everything. And don't just go with the status quo because this is just instilling fear and panic into people. Yeah, to be fair, here's part of their disclaimer. To be clear, the Center for Health Security and Partners did not make a prediction during our tabletop exercise, which once again started last October. For the scenario, we modeled a fictional coronavirus pandemic, but we explicitly stated that it was not a prediction. Well, of course, they're going to say that either way. Well, sure. Instead, the exercise served to highlight preparedness and response challenges that would likely arise in a very severe pandemic. We are not now predicting that this NCOV 2019 outbreak will kill 65 million people. But during their uh, mock exercise, as they, as they characterize it, they did claim or see a scenario that would kill 65 million people. Wow. But they're saying they are not now predicting that. Although our tabletop exercise included a mock novel coronavirus, see, they're admitting it, the inputs we use for modeling the potential impact of that fictional virus are not similar, they say, to NCOV 2019. So to be fair to them, that's their disclaimer. But to me, it's an open question. I'm not going either way on it. It's an open question that more journalists need to ask, like ourselves, stay on this, 
but should it should include law enforcement, in my opinion. And with that, too, is, Mark, the other question that goes beyond it, I believe, is, is not just the actual coronavirus or this virus itself, but what about the vaccines that are being developed? Does that 65 million include that? Because, you know, what, they're going to jump in and start making these vaccines, and you don't know what side effects or what it's going to do to people because we know the vaccines today with links to people with autism and people you know with all of these different issues that are coming out of vaccines stomach issues high levels gastrointestinal problems high levels of mercury used exactly. used as preservatives and boosters and things like that exactly um yeah it, it would be a highly experimental vaccine and they're saying it's a year and a half two years off at best anyway and so what do we do in the meantime? Well, they, like Mateo said, they don't even want to talk about common sense, you know, grandma's chicken soup, vitamin C, plenty of rest and, you know, stay hydrated. Even doctors are advising against it and they're saying pop aspirin, which will tear up your stomach. Right. And so, you know, what do we do in the meantime? Uh, just simply have a lockdown in police state and drive the Christian faith right out of society exactly. e even more than it's been driven out before, even though we need it more than ever. I mean, this this is a prescription for disaster. That uh, where the the uh, proverbial um, cure is worth worse than the disease could kick right in. Exactly. Well put, Mark. That's exactly how. So, Mateo, as far as the government kind of getting, I understand you have a new prime minister that was put into power uh, not too long, maybe a little less than two years ago. Uh, what what's happened there? Can you just fill us in on what's happening? there because I think that that's probably something that's a big thing that needs to be looked at of how he came into power, who put him into power, and this all I think is connected. It is. In fact, uh, as, as manufactured is the, the virus and the, and the fear and the panic, even, even this kind of police state is manufactured and is allowed by the prime minister basically. And I was even forgetting uh, um, law courts are closed, law cases are suspended, so nothing is really working. And this is connected, of course, to the prime minister because he was a former lawyer. So now he's got a new job. Um, and I, I have to put this question today together with the one that you asked me previously. Why Italy? Why the why this is happening? We are not in in the border with China or or South Korea or Iraq. We are quite far away, and yes, we've been affected or apparently affected or not so much, but the results the results are very much effective, and apparently we are not affecting so much Europe. Anyway, this guy is called the Prime Minister is called. His name is Giuseppe Conte. Giuseppe Conte wasn't involved in politics whatsoever. He was a lawyer. He came out from nowhere, from nothing. When the Italians never heard of him. And suddenly, when a uh, little less than a couple of years ago, we did have the, our first election since, what, eight years? Because Italy wasn't allowed to have elections, political elections. Our former prime ministers were set up there by European Union and Goldman, Goldman Sachs and, and, and all of those kind of people. So they were just putting these prime ministers in charge and asking the parliament, the Italian parliament, to vote for him and, and to make the guy became, become prime minister. Anyway, a little bit 
little over two years ago, we did have two parties on the opposite side, one very right, one very left. They were running two coalition. So both of them, they, they decided to, when they won both the elections, because it was basically a 50-50, they decided to go and rule the country together. And the president of the republic, the Italian president of the republic, is the one that is actually giving charge to the prime minister. So they came out with this name. Both of them, in agreement, they said, because neither of us can be the ruler of the country and can rule the country with a person that comes from the party, we will invite the president to ask this lawyer to become our prime minister. This lawyer kindly accepted. He said he was very honored and he became prime minister. Then the government collapsed. And, and, and strangely enough, the new government that wasn't elected was another coalition made of internal agreements between different parties. They decided again to ask to the same guy to be the prime minister and the president of the republic that comes from a very old communist tradition. It was a former communist, like former Soviet Union era. He said, gladly, he said, yes, of course, this guy is great. I want him to become again the prime minister. So Giuseppe Conte, the prime minister, coming out from nowhere, coming out from nothing, being not involved in politics whatsoever, ever, Suddenly, it's two years that he's ruling and running the country with without elections, without people voting for him and wanting him, and only sided by the president of the republic that, again, is part of the big groups, the bank cartel, the insurance companies, and so on. So that's who was basically appointed to be your prime minister. Right, right. That, that's interesting, um, I, and I know that he wasn't necessarily a saint, but prior to him, Matteo Salvini um, was quite the rising star, the five-star movement, what they call, what the press calls the right-wing populist league, league with a big L, and they seem to be, uh, say a year ago, let's just be approximate, they seem to be kind of on the upswing. Uh, where they wanted Italy to be more nationalist and a little bit more of a Eurosceptic, in other words, skeptical of the European Union. And there was rumblings. I remember seeing it as a reporter uh, when I was in the UK in early 2018. There was rumblings, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matteo, uh, that Italy was at least kind of looking at what Britain did leaving the EU. And Salvini and some of the Five Star Movement and the League and, and that right-wing populist movement overall were skeptical of the EU and Italy was taking kind of a different trajectory then along comes Conte and Conte kind of defeated that and put things back to where they were now if, if I'm misunderstanding anything please correct me but I'm just exploring the possibility however remote that uh, some of this lockdown on Italy might be to stamp out this populist more nationalist movement that was beginning to take take hold is there any possibility that that's true, or is that just too much of a stretch right now? No, 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 it's absolutely correct. The, the, the description is fully correct. The Five Stars movement, when they started, they were very much against uh, Europe. But then when they finally, after many years, they arrived to the power, to, to rise in power a couple of years ago, 
little by little, then they weren't against the uh, Europe, European Union so much. While Matteo Salvini was raising, as you say, the right-wing party. And he was against and he is against European Union. And now, more than ever, especially through this situation. Now, that's what happened. When they were ruling together, so the five stars, Matteo Salvini and Giuseppe Conte as prime ministers, they were not really making, they were not really in agreement because Salvini didn't want the European Union. But the prime minister and the five stars, they wanted the European Union to have more power than ever. And then Matteo Salvini had to resign and the government fell down. So he was outside the government. But the other guys, they stayed in the government and they asked the former Communist Party, Italian Communist Party, to, to, to be in coalition with them to sustain the Prime Minister. And all of these people are pro-European Union, absolutely pro-European Union. So the ones that we do have right now, starting from the President of the Republic, and then the Prime Minister, and then the Five Stars, and then the, commun- the former Communist Party that is, is called the Partito Democratico, the Democratic Party. Uh, but again, it's Democratic Party, but former Communist Party. That it was his former name. So they are ruling now in Italy and they are pro-European Union. Salvini is still rising among the people. And we were supposed to have elections and the elections have been stopped. Now we are, were supposed to have regional elections. That is like in America state elections. And now because of the coronavirus, those have been postponed. Uh-huh. So, yes, the rising of, of the right wing and, and the people against Europe is shut down and silent. Now, the EU is dumping money into Italy to help stabilize, under the guise of helping to stabilize the government yeah, and the it, economy. It, this could drive the EU's long-held plans for fiscal union, for monetary union, for more centralization of the uh, European Central Bank, the ECB, uh, all this centralization. and. We can't prove it here, but it's, I certainly see some of the signposts, and you, Matteo, seem to be saying that some of these signposts exist, that a little bit of this crackdown on Italy, at least conceivably, could be to kind of punish the country for its lurch toward the right yes. and, and its lurch toward nationalism and away from the EU. Um, it's, and, and when you look at the fact that elections have been postponed and canceled, when you look at the fact that they just put this lawyer, Conte, and just shoot him in there, just to shoe in, it's certainly, it is certainly cause for more investigation, just like the uh, drill and pandemic scenario held by Johns Hopkins. Again, cause for investigation. Can't prove it, but that's the point of an investigation, to get the proof to find out what happened. And exactly. that's what we're saying here. Exactly, because they're controlling everything. The government is, and the people have no say, no rights, elections postponed, well, uh, canceled. Yeah, they can't even move around. Freedom of assembly, freedom yeah. of movement. These are things that are fundamental to the American Constitution that so many people admire around the world. Right, and which has been said that that potentially, and I'm talking about American politicians and people in the realm of government here in the U.S. are saying that we might be taking some of the same actions that Italy is taking. And so that's very, should be very, very concerning to every single person, every single human being, and us here in America, us U.S. citizens.
We shouldn't and, tolerate it. And I was just in Congress for my uh, annual coverage there uh, in person where I have press credentials. Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri at least admitted that 30 to 40,000 die every year in America of the conventional flu. Mm -hmm. He at least went there. John Barroso, a senator from Republican, uh, a Republican senator from Wyoming, excuse me, a fellow Republican de Blunt, he's a medical doctor, Barroso, uh, and he uh, basically just started spouting off about we need vaccines. Again, just completely sidestepping normal, everyday, common sense, home remedies, um, naturopathic and homeopathic ideas, <clears throat> not just popping aspirin and stuff like that. <clears throat> so Congress was very narrow in its outlook, talking about vaccines, barely acknowledging that the flu kills more people, the regular flu, than this C virus, you know. Although I, I realize they say that this coronavirus is still, <clears throat> you know, we're not out of the woods yet. But, uh, you know, the government, when I was there, did not inspire me with a whole lot of confidence, except for President Trump in the executive branch, where a little over $8 billion was approved by Congress. And President Trump named this task force with uh, Vice President Mike Pence at the helm. And they are, like Trump said on a, on a recent town hall meeting with Fox News about a week ago, they are advising precaution over panic, common sense. You know, we're not going to anticipate large-scale shutdowns. Yes, some common sense measures. And this is America, and we're going to you know, like Trump is doing, and properly so, the 30-day shutdown of travel from Europe to the States. Uh, he's talking about even tighter controls on our southern border. And you'd have to have extremely limited international immigration, particularly illegal immigration, at a time like this. That would have to be strictly limited. Trump is hinting around and talking about that, too. President Trump is, in fact, showing some of the best leadership in the world, in my view, especially having been in Washington, and yet the Washington Post can do nothing but ridicule him. Mm -hmm. From A to Z, little call-out quotes, the president is neither competent nor decent. You know, and in fact, you know, there, there's, a, there's a very careful balance between total panic and being too lackadaisical about it. Trump's hitting it in the middle. He doesn't want our freedoms diminished. He's trying to give people more take-home pay by trimming payroll taxes. And that means that they're not going to quit working. Some might work at home. But, you know, on the, on the positive side, this could be a boon for the homeschool movement. This could mean either even stricter border controls. It could make America more nationalist like Trump wants it to be, less internationalist. It could mean more local agriculture to have a safer, more nutritious, more localized food supply, not be so dependent on big pharma and, and big, big ag, big agriculture. If Trump plays the, his cards right, this could, this could result in a more nationalistic United States, a more self-sufficient United States. And that doesn't mean counting other countries out or not helping them, but it, it means America would assume a leadership role in showing how it's done. Yeah. And that could happen if the media would get out of his way. Yeah, and the media is now labeling him, I'm seeing now, they're calling it Trump's Chernobyl. That oh. this with this coronavirus is very irresponsible because the other take on it, just like what you're experiencing there in Italy, Matteo, is in the stock market and in the economy with the fear. That's what's happening here. It's very irresponsible when you have people coming on and the media and they're just instilling fear in everybody. You have the stock market crash. Therefore, you have people's retirement funds, IRAs, 401ks, everything else tanking all over fear, all over this manufactured pandemic and manufactured panic 
is what it seems. And so, and that's where Trump, I believe, and I really, I'm going to say this personally, I am very proud of President Trump. Even in dealing with China, when it comes with the tariffs and these trade deals, I believe he did these things, even not necessarily knowing about the coronavirus, but it actually prevented it from spreading and is spreading on the U.S. soil. And I I applaud him for that. I think there was things that he took and actions he took against China because we've been losing to China for years, for decades. China has been abusing us and no telling how really the the virus is being spread. We know it it was formed in a lab. How is it coming? In foods? How much of the foods that we get from China? How many of the different supplies that we get from China? So I believe that that was the saving grace in part when President Trump put his foot down and said no more China. Right, and we've been getting lots of pills and pharmaceuticals and um, medicines from China, and Trump went on record as saying the U.S. needs to manufacture this stuff itself. Exactly. It's just like our food supply. What are these long supply chains that go around the entire world? It's not necessary. We won't get into a whole trade discussion, but suffice to say that each country becoming more self-sufficient, America kind of being a leader, sort of the pace car, you might say, is a good way to go. Faith over fear, common sense over panic, a more nationalistic policy. It might be a little painful, but we have to limit both legal and illegal immigration, at least temporarily, like Trump is saying about Europe, about 30 days he's proposing starting in late March, early April. None of these are draconian. And yet the media argues against closing or limiting the border. This, this same media that says we can't have big groupings, Trump shouldn't have rallies, says, oh, we still need third world hordes and, and people coming from Central America. Oh, we don't want to shut that off. Right. But that's one of the first things you'd want to severely limit. Yeah. Not out of being mean, but out of, again, common sense. Yeah. And so, you know, as we uh, wind up today's show, as we summarize, I think this is the key point that Italy is, is kind of, a, unfortunately, an example of where we could end up. America, thank God, is an example of how we can lead. We need to find a happy medium. We need to uh, exercise courage. And we need to demand that our freedoms not be completely quelled and completely rubbed out. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, to completely overturn people's incomes and retirements and make them completely insecure about the future, whether they're going to eat tomorrow, is going to create a tremendous amount of stress and actually make people more susceptible to um, suicide, um, heavy drinking, drug use, uh, becoming ill with communicable diseases. Uh, you know, tanking the economy is not the answer. Exactly. Because think of how many people now are turning to psychiatrists and psychologists and pharmaceuticals rather than turning to their faith. And there's this whole abandonment of it and being forced as exactly what you're seeing there, Matteo. And so it's almost like you have become, Italy has become the test case of, the, of this. And really in part, and this is part speculation because there was this movement to break away from the EU. And now you see, I mean, there's a globalist agenda. We all need to recognize that. And I believe that this is what's part of it because it's, it's their MO. It's how that they do things. It's even how the left does things. It's based through manipulation and fear and panic. And that's how they take control of people. And so all of these people that are on different medications for psychological problems, that's only going to increase who have all kinds of side effects. A lot of these psychological drugs actually cause people to commit suicide. Look, there's a report out that was just done about 
half the fish that have been tested, 50% of the fish that have been tested from the Great Lakes have some sort of psychological drug in them, like Prozac. So can you imagine yeah, how that would... Passing be? through the human body into the sewer, into the fish, evidently, right. being the most... Unless certain manufacturers are doing some kind of dumping, which happens with food. Lots of milk is dumped out every year. Tons and tons of orange juice is dumped out every year. Exactly. As if we were still in the Great Depression in the 19, late 1920s. These things really happen. But yeah, uh, uh, you know, once common sense and faith, kind of the twin pillars of human sanity, right. are abandoned then we are vulnerable to any old government policy or media hype and media, you know, hysteria. We, we become even more vulnerable to that and we sink even further in the morass. And so, exactly. you know, this is a time to be steadfast in our faith, which drives out fear and adopt common sense measures, uh, look into alternative health measures that are readily available and highly effective and get around and you know, mitigate against this this media-generated hysteria that is meant to be a handmaiden to tyranny rather than healing. Exactly. Now, Mateo, do you have any closing thoughts? Well, my closing is just I have to add an information just to confirm everything you just described it so well. Uh, because maybe I forgot to mention before that, yes, everything is closed. I cannot go out for a walk without the pass to prove it. But our borders for illegal immigrants are open. So we still have immigrants coming, flooding uh, from Africa and from Middle East like crazy. And, and, and the left wing of our, our, uh, our parliament is saying, is saying um, that, uh, of course, we have to take care of them and we have to guarantee uh, health care for them. Now, we are in a crisis. We cannot guarantee health care for Italians, but we have to guarantee health care for illegal immigrants. You know, I can't, I'm believing what you're telling me, and yet I don't want to believe it because this kind of duplicity of the one-worlders is just so typical. They treat the internal nation as if like the borders between your different provinces or your different states within Italy are separate countries, and yet they treat the separate countries as if, uh, you know, that, that they're just one mass, one mass with no, with no national borders at all. So they micromanage the internal affairs of a country and they leave alone and let, just let it fly on the external affairs. Yeah. So you, you can't even go out your door and yet people can go from one country to another. Yeah. This is the typical one world nutcase modus operandi. Yeah. That's from the handbook. That's the playbook. That's 101, globalism. Yeah, that, you know? that, that is. That is just absolutely atrocious. Yeah. I mean, I mean if, this, if this whole crisis, as it's being called, says anything, it's that we need more nationalism, self-sufficiency of the right sort. I don't mean a strident or militant or tyrannical nationalism, like the media tries to make it out, like all nationalism is bad, but a, a logical, well-conceived, national leadership that provides the proper guidelines for the tax-paying genuine citizens of every country and enables everyone to exercise common sense, allows faith to flourish because that's the backbone of Western civilization, and allows the free market to flourish so we can buy the supplements and eat the foods we need. Like Socrates said, let thy medicine be thy food and thy food be thy medicine. And, you know, and, and, and live out our lives 
in a dignified manner, but instead we have this artificial European Union whose tentacles stretch over here to America trying to run everything. And they do that through the think tanks, through the CFR, through the Trilateral Commission, through the the different uh, Atlantic Council. This is some of the tentacles that stretch from the EU over to here, which yeah. I've covered recently in Washington. Yeah, exactly. So yes. what would you, and I'm going to ask this, what would you say to people of Italy? What would you say to them? And then as well, and just in our closing moments here, what would you tell Americans and America? What would you, is there any warnings that you would want to, want to tell the American people as well? Well, I would love to tell the Italians that they really have to think by themselves to look around and to start to questioning everything and just to start to ask questions to people and try to use their brain. God has given us a brain to use it. And unfortunately now, right now, we, because of fear and panic, Italians just listening to the news, the popular people on social media, and they're really caught by fear and panic. And, and this is true. When you are caught in fear and panic, then your brain is switched off. You don't really see anything and you don't see the light. You don't see all. So first of all, use your brain, question everything, think about everything and, and have faith in God. Because anyway, in this kind of situation that is really apocalyptic and end of times, you really need God to find a way out from this and anyway to help you because when you are stuck in your house and you can't do anything the only one can can that can do something is god for you no one else and there is nothing left to american people i i like you already said that i would like to advise you that that yeah we are a guinea pig i just say like this guinea pig like we are a test like in a laboratory and they want to rip, reproduce and replicate everything that is happening in america they are wishing to take President Trump out from his chair and run the country and do what our prime minister is doing. And yes, I mean, uh, you don't really have to think that Italy is so far away or that what's happening here is impossible that will happen in America. It is impossible if people of faith and people that really care for their country will be united and start to stop things right now because if they do not do it now then it's going to be too late because when panic comes affect everybody and you don't really have any options left then go with the flow exactly well put well Matteo thank you so much for being on this segment it really is illuminating a lot of things and bringing very good information and the facts to people my closing thoughts for this segment are going to be don't be led like a sheep to the slaughter. And there's no such thing as an incurable sickness or disease. But the same, when Jesus died on the cross for your sins, he also died for your sickness and disease. And so we need to turn to Jesus Christ, our healer. And in this time of panic, he, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so he will give us peace. He will lead us in peace. He's given us his Holy Spirit, who is our comforter. Who is our helper? And so we have to remain faithful and be strong in faith and not back away or let down. But we pray and continue to pray that every wicked plan of the enemy will be brought to nothing and that God will give us, the church, wisdom and the solution 
and strength and courage to overcome for we're more than conquerors. And we will overcome this coronavirus, the panic, yes. the scare, this thing that's happening. It, I put a restraining order on the devil. And we're going to see people of faith rise up, not just in America, but in Italy and across the globe that will come against these things of the enemy. Amen. And may, so, may this be a spark that creates the greatest revival ever. Well put, Mark. Then that's our segment today. So thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. On, on World Impact News. See you next time. God bless.